0: Welcome to Envision Community Church's Ridiculous Love Podcast. Whether you attend our Longmont-based services or tune in online, we're so glad that you're here as part of our funky and fully affirming church today. We begin each of our podcasts just as we begin each of our services, with our ethos. Married, divorced, and single here, it's one family that mingles here. Conservative and liberal here, we've all got to give a little here. Big and small here, there's room for us all here. Doubt and believe here, we all can receive here. LGBTQ plus and straight here, there is no hate here. Woman, non-binary, and man here, everyone can here. Whatever your race here, for all of us, grace here. In imitation of the ridiculous love almighty God has for each of us and all of us, let us live and love without labels. If you'd like to financially contribute to our church and our partners, you can text any amount to 84321. And now, on to this week's sermon
1: at our winter retreat, Mara talked to us about the basic core human need that we all have. And I'm going to stop there just for a second and say that this is like the third week in a row I've talked about Mara talking with us about that. And I think, I don't know, maybe five out of 10 where I have mentioned Mara by name and something she said to us. I want to explain to you how important attribution is to me and why. I think it's important all the time, every time. When we get information from somebody else that we are sharing as speakers, that we always give proper attribution to the person who is speaking. Because for years and years, I preached in megachurches. And for years and years, I would find out that my sermons were being preached all over the United States, and I was never being given credit for any of it. One time in East Tennessee, probably 25 years ago, I actually heard a sermon that was, in fact, extremely close to one I would preached about six months before. But that's not my most fascinating time. My most fascinating time was maybe six months after my first TED Talk came out. And on Twitter, Amy Schumer, the comedian, on Twitter tweeted, you got to watch this TED Talk, it's amazing. I mean, this was wonderful, and all of a sudden, people had all kinds of views of the TED Talk. It's like three weeks later, she hosts Saturday Night Live. And I'm sitting there watching it, And she's doing her monologue, and I'm like, she's not exactly taking all of my stuff, but this is really, really close. And then my phone starts blowing up. People are texting me from all over the country. A Couple of people call, they're like, are you watching Saturday Night Live? And I said, yeah, that's basically my TED talk that Amy Schumer is doing without attribution right now on Saturday Night Live. So I always want to give proper attribution. And obviously it struck me very deeply as she was talking about that with much of the teaching of, of, with Brené Brown, but I love the way that Mara was putting it, that we are neurobiologically hardwired for deep human connection. But the common wound of all of us Is that we believe there is something about us that causes us to inherently not be worthy of deep human connection. Virtually none of us escapes that. It's the core wound for all of us. That we think there's something about us that causes us not to be worthy of deep human connection. Where does this come from? I think there are three primary sources for it. The first source is no surprise to anyone. Our parents who were wounded whose parents were wounded, whose parents were wounded, whose parents were wounded. We could just go on and on and on. So in fact, That is where our core wound comes from. As a psychodynamic psychotherapist, often people always say, why do you dig into one's background? Because, kind of like Willie Sutton said about bank robbing, that's where the money is. Um, You know that right there is where the core wound is for all of us. That's what causes us to feel like there's something about us that causes us to be unworthy of deep human connection. But Scott Peck, the psychiatrist who was quite popular in the latter half of the 20th century, Peck, when he began writing, was an atheist. And in the middle of his writing, I think it was his third book, he made a major shift to become a believer in God. And I got to go hear him speak once, and he was talking about that shift. He said, what I came to realize as a psychiatrist, psychotherapist, was that there's no way that my clients had any right to be as healthy as they were, given how totally screwed up their parents were. And he said, I began to actually see that there was no explanation for this. Not that there aren't a lot of people who are, in fact, about as screwed up as you would expect them to be. But he said, far more often, I would find people who were nowhere near as screwed up as I would expect them to be. And I realized there is, in fact, a positive benevolent presence in the universe. There's a cosmic benevolent presence. Presence That has brought a certain grace into the universe That in fact does cause us to be healthier than one would expect us to be But that's the first reason We end up having this sense that there's something about us It causes, uh, causes us to be unworthy of deep human connection The second reason is because societies, particularly patriarchal cultures, have figured out that that is a way in which they can control the population. So Rene Girard, see, again, proper attribution. Rene Girard, the anthropologist and philosopher, talked about this as mimetic theory. He said, eons ago, those in charge figured out the best way to remain in charge is to gaslight entire populations, to say to them, you are unworthy, you are very fortunate that I have arrived to save you. And that that is in fact deep into the warp and the woof of leadership as far back as we can look. And it's memetic theory. It's those who are in charge realizing they can remain in charge if they can gaslight all the rest of us. And there's a third reason that we in fact have this deep, deep sense. The first is our parents. The second, all of the gaslighting that is taken place by those who are in fact in charge of everything. But the third, and by far the most profound, is Christianity. Peck talked about this. He said, anywhere in the West, it is ubiquitous from one horrible doctrine. The doctrine was original sin. Not taught in the Hebrew scriptures, not taught by Jesus, not taught by his disciples, but taught by Augustine in the fourth century. Original sin that says we were born without a right to have a deep human connection. All three of these combine to cause us to feel that deep connection human wound, that there's something about us that makes us unworthy of deep human connection. And so the ego, in response to that, has two jobs. One is to give us safety, and the other is to give us power. The ego's job is to ignore that reality and protect us from that supposed reality. And so the ego really has just two things at once. Power and safety because the ego makes the assumption that there is something about us that causes us to be deeply unworthy of deep human connection. And so since the ego believes we are unworthy, the ego has got to create power and safety opportunities which will allow us to at least pretend that we are in fact worthy. And so you'll hear me talk often about people with great ego need and people with great ego strength. Those with great ego need are those who've bought into the lie that there's something about us that causes us to be unworthy of deep human connection. And those of us who need an ego that will give us power and safety. That's those with great ego need. Those with great ego strength don't have to live in the realm of ego because they know we are in fact safe. We do in fact have adequate power. They have in fact great ego strength, which allows them to go to the deeper part of the human experience, the level of soul. Now, if you happen to be um, Freudian, you would call this the level of the unconscious, because historically psychology has said the realm of the unconscious is actually our healthiest place to abide. The Jungians talk about it as soul. I like the Jungian approach to it, because at our soul level, not the ego level, The ego level is bought into this lie that there's something about us that makes us deeply unworthy of human connection But the soul level knows better The soul level which sits beneath the ego knows that we are worthy just as we are That there is nothing about us that causes us to be unworthy of deep human connection The soul knows this, all of our souls know it That's why my job as a therapist is to break through the ego defenses to get to the soul because your soul knows your love just as you are. So the soul then can move on to the next big project of what it means to be human. And what is that project? What is the soul project? It is fashioning meaning for our lives. It's knowing that we're worthy of deep human connection and knowing that, we then want to leave the world a better place than we found it. So how can we fashion deep meaning in our individual lives? And there are two ways in which we tend to do that. Our soul looks inward to find that deep meaning. Which you will find in contemplation and the entire world of contemplative theology You'll find it in a lot of the spiritual disciplines You find it in yoga Where we are looking inside ourselves For that sense of peace But the other place we look For this sense of meaning in our lives Is to community And as a species we've always looked to community To find meaning in life So what kind of a community do we look for? We all tend to look for three things in any community where our soul wants to abide. The first thing we look for is resonance. We want to be a part of a community that resonates with us. So for 25 years, I was in a book club in Long Island, a Catholic book club of Catholic intellectuals. And that group resonated with me. It was my major spiritual resource for 25 years. It did not resonate with Kathy at all. Kathy went occasionally, basically, because the pastries were really good. But, you know, it just didn't really work for her. It worked for me. On the other hand, they all loved the Catholic Mass. And, you know, for a couple of years, I tried. I would go to a Catholic Mass, and I would see how deeply they were into the Catholic Mass. And to me, there was zero resonance. I mean, it was stand up, sit down, say this, stand up, sit down, say that. I'm like, why would anyone get anything out of this? But Nicole can tell you why. Because it always resonated with her growing up. We find something that resonates with us. For me, unfortunately, the thing that resonates the most is mega church worship. So when I used to preach at LifeBridge, we had five services on a weekend. We had two on Saturday, three on a Sunday. Four of them were identical. And it would not be unusual for us in the 11 o'clock Sunday service to say to one another in the green room, oh God, give us just one more. Give us a one o'clock. Because even though we'd already done that Service four times we wanted to do It a fifth because it resonated so much With us so we're starting a new church In Boulder County Colorado And I happen to be one of the three Founding co-pastors and I happen to be given The responsibility for worship And so yeah I might have influenced that a little bit By looking for the same sense Of worship experience That resonates with me and I Had had the privilege of preaching regularly At Highlands Church including A summer when the worship pastor was on furlough, well, not furlough, she was on sabbatical, and um, so uh, Heather Lynn and Jason showed up to provide the music and the worship leadership, and every time I would get up to preach, she would hand me that 400 people just like that, and then she would sing after the sermon was over, and I would sit back and say, oh, we are in something special here, and so that's why she's with us. Because she has that great sensibility of bringing together this entire hour to create an experience of resonance for so many of us who in fact love it. She's always pulling the entire service together from beginning to end. And so often I sit down after I've preached and she sings whatever it is she's going to sing. And I think to myself, oh, this is something special. So that's the first thing we look for, resonance. The second thing we look for in a community of soul is depth. So a lot of people don't really want a community of soul because those people are not looking for depth. But if, in fact, you're working at the soul level, not the ego level, and you are, in fact, fashioning meaning out of life, you are looking for depth. And what are the three things that are a part of depth? None of them, depth, none of them are easy. And that was, in fact, a really good Freudian slip because all three of them are, in fact, death. The first is being open to challenge from the outside without being defensive. That's how you achieve depth. By being open to challenge from the outside without being defensive, by taking it in and discerning over time the appropriateness, the rightness of what has been told to you. Can't- Just stay by yourself. You need the help of others who can be more objective, but you are not defensive. You are open to being challenged from the outside. That's the first thing necessary for depth. The second thing necessary for depth is stringent self-examination. You're willing to take that which you have received from the outside, examine yourself deeply, and determine the parts of yourself that need to change. The parts of what they're saying that are true, the ways in which you have contributed to the problem, and if you want to grow deeper and bring about a healthier world, you're going to have to address the issues that have been brought up. Stringent self-examination, that's the second. The third is something we've talked about a lot over the last year. It is understanding, knowing, and maintaining as much control as you can over your abiding shadows. What are your abiding shadows? Most of you know. We've talked a lot about that. These are the problems that were with you at 18, at 38, at 58, that will also be there with you at 72, and probably at 88 as well. These are the parts of your personality that hard as you try, you still create problems with. And the best you can do is identify them. Name them and lock them in the basement. (laughs) And then you're going to find out throughout your life they get out of the basement. But then your job is, the second they get out of the basement, to recognize it, stop them from doing as much damage as you can stop them from doing, and lock them in the basement again. This is what we must do with our abiding shadows. It is, in fact, the mantra of Mara's company, RIP leadership, notice sooner, recover faster. So you notice these abiding shadows that you have sooner. Uh Uh-oh, it got out of the basement, it's causing problems. I need to put it back in the basement again. This is about all you can hope for. All three of these things are required for depth and the soul is looking for depth and the soul can deal with this because the soul knows it's worthy of deep human connection. The ego can't deal with this because the ego thinks it's not worthy of deep human connection. It's got to stay away from all three of those things. But the soul is willing to go to those tough places, to be open to challenge from the outside, to be open to stringent self-examination and to recognize one's abiding shadows and deal with those abiding shadows. That's the second thing that soul is looking for in community. The first is resonance. The second is depth. The third is awe. Awe would be why, I don't know, two-thirds of the congregation is doing everything they possibly can to be able to go to the Taylor Swift concert. (laughs) Because they know it will be an experience of awe. I mean, Christy Sykes and I were on the phone for I don't know how many hours getting tickets for Hamilton, because we knew it would be an experience of awe. That's one of the reasons I live here because I can look off of my patio and be filled with awe. I like the ocean, I love the mountains. So I was running early in the morning two and a half weeks ago in Hawaii, and it was beautiful. It was right at dawn, and as I was looking out at the water, I just was overcome with awe. I just stood there for quite some time, and rarely do I stop in the middle of a run. I looked out at the water, I took a picture of it, and then I posted it a little bit later to Facebook. And when I posted it to Facebook, halfway across the world, 11 hours in front of me, Christy Thykes had also posted something of Christy and Mara and their friend Torin hiking an Isle of Skye in Scotland. Now my DNA is 99% United Kingdom, well, 99% British Isles. Scotland, England, Wales, Ireland. When I saw that picture, the awe that filled me was greater than the awe I had in Hawaii because my DNA has been there. So I proceeded to call my son, Jonathan, and say, Dude, the summer of 24, you and I are going to hike on the Isle of Skye, and we will because I'm looking for that awe. And that is what we find so often here. Your pastors and your elders, all of us, want to follow the way of Jesus. That's what makes us a Christian church, that we are committed to following the way of Jesus, to love God, love neighbor, and love self. And in Christian worship, we find great awe. So I hope... This is the place that your soul can thrive, that your soul finds resonance, finds depth, and finds awe. For some of you, that'll not be the case. For some of you, it's a way station onto the place that will provide those things. But for those of you who do find that great strength here, ah, we hope to be doing the journey with you for a very long time. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. Thank you for creating us so that we have that need, neurobiologically wired for deep human connection. And thank you for loving us without conditions. May we get beneath the level of ego and its desire for power and safety. May we get to the level of soul because the soul is interested in the ride. Teach us at the level of soul To seek out resonance, to seek out depth, difficult as that is. And to be open to awe, for that is where we feel you the most. For this we pray, in Christ's name, amen.
0: As you listen to this teaching, we hope it was a reminder that the love of God is bigger, more inclusive, and filled with more grace than any of us can imagine. There is truly room for us all here. To learn more, go to envisioncommunitychurch.org or Facebook.com forward slash Envision Community Church. Thank you for joining us.